Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Security Token Show, episode 134. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, joined by my co-host and business partner, Herwig Konings. We're here in sunny Miami, Florida, talking everything blockchain, investment banking, security tokens, everything about this industry you just didn't want to miss. Now, I want to talk about our sponsor for this week's episode, which is Security Token Markets Analyst Report. We had a real estate intelligence report for February 2022, which is also co-sponsored with Cointelegraph graph in which we talk about everything going on in the primary markets for real estate, all of the different brokers that are working in tokenized spaces, all the fund products, all of the issuances, as well as the secondary market transactions. Almost 200 properties are trading live on secondary markets for real estate. Did you know that? If you didn't, you got to buy the report to find out more. Go check that out. Of course, we thank our sponsors always for making this show possible. And with that, let's get into the top five things that you need to know. Starting off with number one, we've got IX Swap. IX Swap is a Singaporean decentralized exchange for security tokens that we've been talking about. And now they have listed the world's largest sapphire, folks. It is a 27 pound <laughs> sapphire, 61,000 carats. Oh my God. Well, you can get a piece of the security token now on IX Swap. That's just one unique example of security token technology and what it can provide sure to investors. Is. Number two, we've got Voyager Digital. Voyager Digital is like Galaxy Digital or any of these other custodians who provide institutional access to crypto, but like Coinbase, offered an earn-style product that offered users up to 12% in staking fees for the crypto that they put inside of the platform. And guess what happened? They got a cease and desist. This is from the government of New Jersey or the specific regulators in New Jersey who said, this looks like an unregistered security. You can't move forward, which again, looks very similar to what BlockFi had hit them. Coinbase got a Wells notice. So all these companies are kind of facing the same feats here. That affects 53,000 accounts with 187 million US dollars in New Jersey users alone, but they've got 1.5 million accounts and $5 billion worth of assets on their platform. So potentially more of that is going to be locked down as well with Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Kentucky, and Vermont all potentially thinking about a similar level of sanctions around unregistered securities as well as misleading marketing around investing and growing your portfolio which again starts to feel like a security. Spelling a lot like what happened with BlockFi, which led to a hundred million dollar settlement <laughs> with the SEC and the local uh, SEC regulators in the various states. Moving on to number three, again with the SEC here, we saw that they want to redefine the dealer term. So in an over 200 page proposal the SEC put out, one of the biggest things that they saw specifically actually targeting Wall Street, but Blockchain communities got savvy. The crypto communities read into this and they recognized that one of the little things that they slipped in there to try and change the dealer term was that anyone uh, with over 50 million doing algorithmic trading, which includes them, DEXs, automated market makers, pretty much anything in DeFi that's had any modicum of success, 
and it might be considered a dealer. And if that's the case, that means it needs to register with the SEC, which of course most crypto DeFi projects either aren't capable or don't want to, which means the SEC might just be trying to clamp down DeFi in general with this. We'll see what happens. Is this the end of DeFi? Only time will tell. Number four, we've got the Ronin blockchain was hacked in what is the largest DeFi hack in history, which goes along lines of why the SEC is starting to clamp down a little bit here. And that's because Ronin, this is the Axie Infinity blockchain application. It's a game, play to earn. It's really captured the, the attention of a lot of people around the world. It's built on the Ronin blockchain. And basically when you have different blockchains, they still need to communicate and you want to move your assets from Ethereum, for example, to Ronin. So you have these things called cross-chain bridges. This is a bridge between two different blockchains and they often mark the central point of failure between these blockchains, right? You've got a lot of distributed network here and here, but then you've got this centralized point where it's a really critical point of failure. Failure. That's exactly what happened here. $625 million worth of assets were seized from the blockchain, and there's no sign of getting them back anytime soon. No, that's for sure. That's a heck of a lot of ether supply that is now gone. <laughs> Moving on to number five, we've got the SIX Digital. It's a Swiss international exchange digital platform focused on security tokens and digital assets, and they've recently announced a partnership with Aquatech. Uh, Aquatech is actually a cap table and share registry management service. And the idea behind this partnership is very common with a lot of marketplaces and issuance platforms. When a, a client or a potential you know, token partner comes to them, they need help. They don't know what to do. They don't have the technology. They don't have the, the infrastructure ready to list on a digital exchange. So what did Six Digital do? Well, they partnered up with Aquatech to make it possible so it's very easy to join in, leverage their on-rails services, as we like to say, uh, and that's a great deal for the industry. Digital equity and automated and immutable share registry using distributed ledger technology. We're talking blockchain for stocks. That's the future, baby. And with that, let's learn more of it here from John Pittman with the rest of the industry news. Thanks for the intro and the top five fellows. Welcome back to my block. I'm John Pittman with the industry news for the week. So let's get to it. We're going to start this week's segment talking about one of our very own here at Security Token Market. Security Token Advisor and also very avid blogger, Peter Gaffney, who published a really great article last week detailing how the DTCC, or the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, is streamlining the secondary markets for security tokens. Peter actually discussed a bit about how they're doing so with Project Whitney in one of his pre previously published reports dubbed the State of Security Tokens. Basically, Project Whitney is an eternal test meant to get a hands-on gauging around tokenization. Through the creation of the Apollo Labs entity, the DTCC was able to codify much of their existing practices, including cap table plugins, KYC and AML, accreditation checks, and locker provisions directly into the digitized asset. Peter goes on to talk about additional projects that the DTCC is working on, but ultimately, the message is that the DTCC has its eyes set on the private markets as the world shifts to a greater digital presence. So check that article out to catch the full scope, and never forget that the state of security tokens is required reading. Speaking of private markets, we have the investment firm Hamilton Lane partnering with Digital Securities Exchange, ADDX, to tokenize a class of shares issued by Hamilton Lane Global Private Assets Fund, which in turn will offer exposure to a broader set of investors in Asia. For those that may not know, Hamilton Lane is one of the world's largest investors and allocators of capital to the private markets, having deployed close to $37 billion in capital in 2021. So this is the first time that Hamilton Lane has tokenized a fund, and honestly, it makes it one of the earliest major private firms to do so. Hamilton Lane's GPA fund will be accessible to ADDX investors at a minimum ticket size of $10,000. 
For comparison to the investors who subscribe to the fund via traditional or non-tokenized channels, they actually have a minimum investment of $125,000. This discrepancy is what we mean when we talk about the security tokens are here to help democratize access to these investment opportunities. Moving on to a company that helps facilitate some of these opportunities, we have Accenture being named as a leader in enterprise blockchain services in a report by the Everest Group. Accenture is a professional services company with capabilities in digital, cloud, and security. They have their hand in over 40 industries, including strategy and consulting, interactive, technology, and operation services. The report published by the Everest Group analyzed 23 blockchain service providers. And in the report, Accenture was positioned as a leader in market impact, as well as in the category of vision and capability. According to the Everest Group, Accenture continues to demonstrate leadership in key areas of blockchain, such as central bank digital currencies, decentralized finance, digital identity, and supply chain solutions. Well, I have another leader up next in the base right here in downtown Miami. That company, Glozone. So Glozone is a blockchain technology company that's helping to bring solutions for all types of markets, including entertainment, media, and art. If you've been following the Security Token Show, then you might know Glozone from their Security Token offering. So Glozone set out with the goal to launch the world's very first NFT player, and with that, a marketplace to help provide royalties for artists and one-of-a-kind experiences for fans. Well, Glozone just officially announced last week that they are unveiling their flagship project, and they're calling it Play One. It is a fully encrypted blockchain NFT music player for artists, creators, musicians, collectors, and fans to coexist and discover unique NFT drops. Oh, and their STO is still live, so if you plan on using the technology and are a fan of it, then why not also invest to get an opportunity to participate in Glozel's growth? Welcome to the Power Security Tokens. Also, welcome to the Security Token Offering Updates with Megan. Catch you guys next week on the other side of the blockchain. Greetings, tokenizers. If you didn't know, I'm Megan Nivold, and I'm your host, sharing all the latest updates in the security token space. Before we get into these industry updates, if you haven't already, check out my show, Spilling the NFT, that premieres every single Tuesday. Two girls on a yacht talking about crypto. I am not sure what's better than that. The only thing better in my eyes is a $1.1 trillion market cap. Just kidding. Anyways, let's get into it. First up, we have news from Black Manta Capital Partners. They've announced the UBH1 token available on the Black Manta investment platform. The offering enables investors to profit, profitably participate in two fully leased retail parks in Vienna. This tokenized bond project offers an innovative portfolio investment for participation in these two fully leased retail parks in the up-and-coming 21st District of Vienna. With an interest rate of four, as well as collateralization by a silent reserve of 6 million euros, the UBH1 token offering provides investors with a unique opportunity to invest in a very secured project. The value of the property is 26 million euros, issue volume is 3.8 million euros, and the minimum investment is 100,000 euros. Investing is now open until May 31st, 2022. United Benefits Holding Group is a long-standing has a long-standing track record and is one of Austria's market leaders in asset management. They are the ones responsible for the management and operations of the UBH1 retail parks. The UBH1 token constitutes direct, secured, unconditional, unsubordinated obligations of the issuer secured with respect to claim for interest and repayment. You can find out more now on Black Manta Capital website. Next, we have news from Soma Finance. They have announced a planned regulation crowdfunding issuance on behalf of Renta Games to enable decentralized game development. Now, this funding will accelerate Renta Games development 
of proprietary real-time and transparent build-to-earn platform for gamers, game developers, and content creators. This will reduce the payment cycle from weeks to immediate. Selma Finance LLC, the joint venture between Mantra Dow and Tritarian Capital Incorporated, that is building the critical infrastructure of compliant decentralized finance, announced their strategic partnership with the video game distribution and development platform Rensa Games. The partnership is planned to be one of the first tokenized regulation crowdfunding, or REGCF, issuances on the Selma Finance platform. Rensa is building Stream for Web3. The platform uses smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain to create game license tokens. These GLTs enable players to launch games by holding the tokens in their digital wallets and freely resell them in the same manner as non-fungible tokens or NFTs. Game developers and content creators who host their games and assets on Rensa will receive payment for each sale in real time instead of waiting weeks or months for compensation. Rensa has a number of innovative features in its roadmap designed to provide smaller developers access to funding op opportunities and high quality content through a decentralized asset marketplace. Ahead of their prospective RegCF offering this year, Rensa's marketplace went live on Wednesday, March 30th. In addition to taking part in gaming history, owning one of these GLTs will grant holders preferential access to potential future RegCF token sales. Of course, pursuant to all regulations in KYC AML through SOMA. SOMA Finance is the first United States compliant global multi-asset decentralized exchange platform. They plan to offer the ability to list RegCF, Regulation D, Regulation S, and Regulation A offerings that will be accessible by both retail and institutional investors alike. In addition to the offering, the compliant trading and issuance of tokenized equities, crypto assets, security token offerings, non-fungible tokens, and more, all in a safe environment. This news is provided by Soma, Soma Finance, and you can learn more now online at www.soma.finance. That is all for today, everyone. Looking forward to seeing you next week, but we will have a very special episode. It's gonna be a little bit of a surprise, but for now, I'm sending it over to my favorite host, SJS Studies. Hello and happy Monday. The market closed down a hair to $4.133 billion, showing some relative weakness versus the macro crypto market. The month closed just under $6 million in total volume traded across all tokens, which is also down a bit. Remember last week when I talked about the new opportunities that would present itself? Now the Exodus is trading on two exchanges, both T0 and Securitize, most notably the potential arbitrage. Well, I have some pretty exciting news for you. Security Token Market's very own Jonas Shulman successfully arbitraged a security token for, get this, a near 40% gain. And how did he do it? Well, he purchased on T0 and transferred to Securitize where it was sold at a higher bid. Inefficient markets are ripe with these opportunities. For instance, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried started his fund Alameda Research arming the Bitcoin market before it came more efficient, just like Jonah did. While we can complain about widespreads and low volume, opportunists like our very own Jonah is taking advantage of these weaknesses. This will be unlikely to be possible once we hit the inevitable $100 billion market cap, so let's capitalize while we can. That's all for now, but have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will see you next Monday. Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse.
Arby's wants to offer virtual food in the metaverse. After just making waves with its recent collaboration with Pusha T against McDonald's, it is now turning those waves to the meta world. It will operate a virtual restaurant that will feature both virtual and actual goods. The virtual restaurant will also feature home delivery. According to one of the trademark applications, you can order food virtually and it comes to your crib physically, y'all. Following that, Alibaba makes a $60 million bet on the metaverse. Augmented reality glassmaker Nreal raised $60 million in its Series C, led by Alibaba, which now joins rival Chinese tech giant TikTok in a race to the metaverse. Up next, Benny Benassi rocks the metaverse. I don't know if you heard of Benny Benassi, but he's one of those more old school DJs that made hits with Chris Brown back in the day. But he is bringing that new school vibe. Will the metaverse re-ramp his brand and music career? Stay tuned to find out. Next, my beloved Axie Infinity lost over $600 million in a hack that is now labeled the largest in DeFi history. However, the Sky Mavis team is fully committed to moving forward and reimbursing players. We are at a pivotal point in time where security is taking a backseat to innovation, but you live and you learn. Keep on building. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Vankel. And now it's time to move into our Companies of the Week segment. This is where Herwig and I picked two companies that made the biggest moves in the industry that we wanted to highlight specifically so that you didn't miss it. And so Herwig, for episode 134, who is your Company of the Week? Well, Kyle, I got to put a spotlight to a company called Proppy. Now, Proppy is a pretty well-known real estate tokenization platform. They've been around doing quite a bit of NFT tokenizations for real estate. Now, this usually involves tokenizing the deed or putting the deed into an LLC and then having one share from that LLC represent the ownership right. okay. in that property. And that's what we saw happen most recently, a couple of weeks ago in Tampa, Florida. And now they've come out again that they are tokenizing yet another Florida home that will be available. It's now on waitlist. April 6th is when you go check it out. But for proving the model and continuing to educate about real estate tokenization, my company that we call, it's got to go to Proppy. Proppy makes a lot of sense. And we've got Metaverse Real Estate coming up for our main topic. But before we do that, my company of the week, Tell which us. is Renewablocks. It's a new STO. They are doing renewable energy mining using Bitcoin. Ah. And so essentially the way it works is you own equity in the Bitcoin mining firm, but then you actually get paid Bitcoin dividends as the mining firm generates Bitcoin mining. So it's kind of interesting. Yes. You get paid dividends in Bitcoin. You own equity in the company building solar powered mining operations. It's going to be built on the Ravencoin blockchain. So it's one of the more notable Ravencoin STOs that's coming out recently. I wanted to give them a shout out. It's an interesting idea. And I think that they're going to bring a cool product to market. Oh, that's a fantastic choice, Kyle. Great product, great blockchain, great security token. Love to see the industry move forward. And with that, let's go into our main topic to talk about real estate more. And for our main topic today, the Security Token Show, we're going to be finishing up part three of Web3 and real estate. So Kyle, if they missed part one and two, definitely go check it out. Part one was all about security tokens. How is real estate going to get revolutionized and disrupted by the stuff we talk about every day? Mm -hmm. But part two might also be interesting to you. We were talking more about how it happens. How does blockchain affect title? How does it affect the ability to purchase real estate with cryptocurrency and a whole lot more? But today for part three, we're going to be getting into the metaverse. So now we're going to step away from the physical world. We're going to put on our VR headsets. 
and we're going to jump into the metaverse and talk about real estate. What do you got? Yeah, so we're talking about digital real estate. I think this is something that, that's hard to conceptually wrap your head around in terms of what does it actually mean to buy property in a digital environment? And so isn't it, you know, you have unlimited or infinite amounts of space. So what parts of the real estate can be valuable? Why would you want to do that? We're not going to get into all of the appraisal side of this, but I think that there's some fun things to think about. And I wanted to kick it off, Herwig, with just an analogy that I've used just in, in general conversation that I think may be a great way to start to help people understand really the context behind metaverse real estate. Tell and us, so, tell us. So we've got Web 2 and Web 3, right? Web 2 is kind of just this traditional internet style of you have great interaction from a front-facing platform, but the back end is still kind of really manual, right? And so in the same way, Web 2 also has real estate that I think that a lot of people don't consider, but they're very comfortable with. And so the real estate in the Web 2 or the 2D version of, of digital real estate is domain names mm. or social media handles, uh. right? Like for me, owning the at Kyle Sondland handle on Twitter is really important to me because that's my identity. That's how I want people to see me, recognize me, and acknowledge me as a person, as an individual, and to cite the credit that I get online. That is digital property that I own, that I value at a certain amount, right? And other people may value other social media handles or you know, food.com or chewy.com or any of these different things that we've seen from history that have been really successful in driving adoption solely because of the real estate that they owned personally. And so in the same way that you have domain names and social media handles from the old world, you now can be looking into this digital space with which also it has real estate in terms of its proximity to others, its convenience in the location. There may be server space and constraints around the things that you can own. And so it still may be difficult for you to understand, but hopefully that 2D to 3D version helps kind of make a little bit make sense. Might you be saying that in the Web3 world, NFTs are such an example of this digital real estate in terms of scarcity. 100%. You look at the .eth domain names, you may right. see it everywhere. People have those dot. Those are actually NFTs. You could sell that from one person to another a whole lot easier. You can sell a domain name. If you've ever tried to transfer a domain name on any of the sites, it's not the easiest process. No, they don't make it easy, but that's a great analogy, Kyle. I think you're setting up, I think most people would just expect, hey, you know, how do we sell land in the realist, in, in the metaverse, right? But that's not necessarily the case. You need to look at Web3 as digital real estate in general. We look back at the old world, we were looking at location of real estate, right? That made a huge impact on the value. We were looking at the possible supply and demand for the area and other factors that would go into all about that physical location. Now in the metaverse, you still have the same concepts, the same supply and demand issues, the same requirements of knowing, for example, with title, governance, records, you know, who owns what, all of that is now built on chain. That's the entire difference. That's what's happening in the metaverse. And that's why you're seeing Decentraland and Sandbox and many other metaverse platforms gain crazy amounts of steam because again, same fundamentals of real estate. We've got a limited number of plots of land. Mm -hmm. There's a community that loves that the, the you know area or, or the region, and they want to live there. They want to move there. They want to pop on their headsets, and they want to connect. They might even want to buy services and other such things. And so, therefore, same concepts as we see in real life. And that's why we've seen a ton of activity of people buying up and flipping these plots of lands and going further saying we're going to develop on them. We're announcing a lounge with JP Morgan or all kinds of other examples of how people are penetrating to the metaverse. You still need that area where you're going to meet. 
This is all on the blockchain and that's what's so great about it. So we know who owns what and we all play in the same ecosystem where Kyle can't just go running around and make another whole planet and suddenly the, the fundamentals of real estate go out the window because we can you know, manipulate the market. That's not so with these metaverses. Right, things. I mean, think about if you had a real estate property on the moon, right? Maybe it would be valuable because of the novelty, but it also is not near anything else. There's no proximity to anything else. So just because you can build a house there doesn't mean that that house is gonna be as valuable as if it was in here in South Florida on the Venetian islands, right? So there's always going to be that proximity to the community, which drives a lot of real estate, right? What's the value of property? Location, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at some of these different developments in the metaverse world, Think about it from any traditional experience. Think about Clubhouse, right? That app where there was exclusive access into a digital space. Could they have had 10, 20, 30,000 people in those rooms? Yes. Did they restrict it to 5,000? Yes. And so did that create scarcity that people wanted to participate in? Of course, right? So in the same way, you could have NFT event showrooms. You could have meeting places like you mentioned. There's even a fashion district in Sandbox, a specific area of that metaverse where a lot of the fashion houses are building. What would you pay to have your storefront next to Gucci or next to Louis Vuitton? That, that would be really valuable if you were a fashion designer, regardless of the fact that you could maybe have your event space somewhere else having it there in proximity does drive a lot of value. We've, we've seen that already. Atari set up their platform on their property. They bought a bunch of land and all of the land around it has also increased in value. Why? Because it's close to another proven company and, and, and your valuable Same real estate. Same fundamentals, folks. And I think that's a great example, right? Like what could you buy? What are you buying in the metaverse? Everything. You could be buying a Gucci design for that metaverse, or you could be in the metaverse buying yourself some Gucci for real life. Yeah. There is no reason that you can't be transacting digitally for the physical world while you're in the metaverse. Exactly. And that's where this whole new host of opportunities comes from. And that's why the last use case is also really great for what makes this so valuable is, in fact, advertising. The fact that exactly. you're walking around the metaverse, someone owns this plot of land and they put a billboard on it and now that billboard has an ad for Coca-Cola on it. That person made money from Coca-Cola after they bought that land because thousands of people in the metaverse are walking by that billboard. Think about Times Square. Same fundamentals, folks. I think that's really great because we've already seen funds move in and many different players already go ahead and say, we're gonna start acquiring real estate much like a fund would, or we're gonna, much like a REIT, develop with a specific mm -hmm. thesis around us buying this property, and investors can go in and back these funds and get exposure to this. This is real returns, folks, real money. Plots of lands are being bought for millions of dollars, digital plots of lands. So I've got a couple stats for you to close out the, the episode here. Please. We have over $500 million worth of real estate transactions in the metaverse to date. So if you think Half that this bill. is early, you think that nobody, $500 million is nothing to joke about. It's happening whether you like it or not, whether you understand it or not, doesn't mean that the business isn't there. We had the largest sale that I could find so far was a $4.3 million real estate sale in the metaverse for wow. the Fantasy Islands. They bought a big plot of land and are building 100 different islands. They were selling for 15,000 each. And now they're retailing for $100,000 per property on the secondary market. They sold 90 out of 100 in the first day. They're now obviously all sold out and they've 10X in price from where they initially launched. 
And the average price of a parcel of land, each parcel is different sizes depending on the metaverse, but there's about 270,000 parcels across the big four metaverses, which are Sandbox, Decentraland, CryptoVoxels, and Somnium. So of those 270,000 parcels, the average price for a parcel of land right now is about $12,700. So it's not like this is like- It's not a down payment on a house. No kidding. Like this is already here, the scarcity has been established and again you got to start diving into this if you're into real estate if you're a broker you're only doing yourself harm by not factoring this into any decision making for future business i think that's where we can end it kyle folks again same practices same fundamentals as you know for traditional real estate apply it to the metaverse and it goes the whole nine yards there are architecture firms being retained in order to design these properties in the metaverse. Everything you know is being brought to the metaverse in Web3 fashion, and we hope that you're excited as we are about this topic. Of course, if you have further questions and feedback for us, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Kyle and I are on all over social media. Of course, stomarket.com, Security Token Market, also across all our social media. Give us a follow. We've got a lot of great other content for you to check out. In fact, this uh, last week, we launched Crypto Con Leche, completely Spanish show focused around the fundamentals of blockchain. If you enjoyed the episode, like, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know how you feel, and tune in for next week's episode where we're going to be covering everything else you don't want to miss each week. Happy tokenizing.